I'm Jakub Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about technology acquisition trends. We're chatting about what's changed in the last five years, common mistakes when buying new technology, and major trends that's coming. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of what to expect from your technology solutions providers. I'm joined by Jock Malabra from Axis. Jock, welcome. Uh, thank you, Jaco, and good morning. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Jaco, I'm the CTO of Axis, which is a technology distributor and have been for the last nine odd years. And maybe the uh, CTO... Uh, doesn't just describe really what I do because it's not an internal function, it's an external function. And so what I do is I look at technology trends and I look at technology vendors, uh, look at the evolution of technologies and services, hardware and software, and then essentially decide with the Exco team on which technologies are appropriate to bet on for our channel. Okay, so that's it's quite an onerous job. If, I assume if you if you bet wrong two or three years down the line, it might be the seed might get hot. <laughs> that's true. But anyway, you've uh, been doing it for a long time, so um, I think you've been bet, betting correct so far. So far, so good. So we keep on tracking, but it is uh, it is working through mountains of information. There's so much change happening at the moment, and, and, and that's the the problem. There's so many options. That's correct. So so let's jump into it. So. What would you say is different today from five years ago when it comes to um, how customers uh, make decisions uh, to acquire technology? Yeah, I think that's, uh, given the time, time constraints, I think that's the kind of only question we'll be able to, uh, be able to, to treat today with some, some depth. What's different is that the value chain is fragmenting. And let me just spend a little bit of time uh, with that. Uh, the old proposition was full-on service, uh, total service, uh, all-inclusive service. And we saw it in uh, travel. We saw it in hotels. Uh, we saw it in everywhere we went. Everything was included. So a hotel would provide uh, conference facilities, it would provide training, it would provide banqueting, uh, it would find eventing. Uh, all the facilities, hotels were massive. And then as time goes on, the business traveler decided, I don't need all of that, why am I paying for it? Hmm. And so the hotel industry started fragmenting into airport type hotels or just visiting hotels where the bare necessities was uh, was provided um, and for the rest you could go and do uh, uh, what you needed somewhere else if you needed the dinner then please go to a restaurant next door okay yeah same happened with airlines so your low-cost airlines have stripped all the uh, luxuries of eating and drinking uh, and uh, facilities out of the airport, out of the airplane designs, and stripped it down to the bare minimum. And if you want to book your seat, you have to pay extra. If you want to take uh, check-in luggage, you have to pay extra, and so forth. So, so what has happened in that process is essentially that the procurement process is commodified or commoditized to the extent where the person who is doing the procurement only needs to ensure that he gets or she gets the cheapest price and that it's to specification. Mm. But no other value is recognized in the procurement process. 
And of course, it's also got a lot to do with uh, compliance, ethics, governance, and so forth. But essentially, the procurement process, which originally is designed to trap value, wasn't trapping value anymore. The value creation happened after the procurement process. Now, we're in the similar digital place at the moment, where platforms today are taking the value chain apart, and now the customer can assemble their own value out of the platform. So they might say, I don't want this service, but I want a part of another service. I won't want this product, but I want another product, but I want this software. And so they can start picking and assembling a new value co- uh, proposition out of a platform by just looking at the value chain and building their own value. So procurement is now in a position to trap value again by mm-hmm. reconfiguring what they're buying and how they're buying. But the procurement process is still commoditized. So the procurement process that's installed in big organizations do not allow for this value trapping that can take place. And that's essentially the big shift has taken place. Organizers, clever organizations, should relook and transform their procurement process along with all the other digital transformation processes that are happening inside the organization rather than leaving procurement in a dark little building <laughs> and forcing them to buy at the cheapest price only. Yeah, so and, and I think for me you've sort of worded one of the most fundamental problems I see um, in, in enterprise technology where, where people buy what they think is the cheapest and probably down the line when they try and assess or, or um, uh, have they really unlocked the value that they were hoping to unlock then they go oh yeah we should have actually not bought the cheapest because we actually didn't derive the value do you think that organizations actually um, a- actually assess to see um, how they unlock value once they've made decisions like that or is that is it better left to, to just ignore it and swipe it under the carpet um, it's driven by financial people, so there is no uh, there is no consideration, or there's very little consideration of what was the value that was unlocked. Is it the intended value, mm. or did the or did the process deteriorate to the place where it lands up in the fina- in the in the procurement department, and the price is the is the deciding factor? Okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a global phenomenon, and governments and uh, public sector and all of big organizations buy like that. But then they buy commodified items. Now we're talking about a new world where there's a dematerialization of what we buy. So the recipe is more valuable than the meal. And how mm. the chef derived at that recipe is even more valuable. Yes. So there's an there's a intrinsic value that's not seen in the price. And that that can make a business better, can make a business more intelligent, more innovative, and that whole piece of the puzzle is missing in a modern procurement process. And and previously when you and I discussed this, that was sort of uh, one of the things that came up. It also changes uh, or should change the way that the customer look at the involvement in this whole process. So maybe five years ago, uh, you know, like my common example, I, if I walked into you and I had a specific vendor's branded shirt on, I, I said, uh, Jacques, I want you to buy this from me because that's all I can sell. But uh, now um, I'm picking different fragments of the chain. So there's also probably more accountability or, or more owners on my side. Yeah, and uh, Yaku is uh, it's actually evolving further down that ro- down that line. Let's let's just let's just stop and think a bit. 
If you're selling a product, the IP of the vendor or the manufacturer is locked into that product. And then you have a skill and you install that product, make that product work, and that product then uh, adds value to the process or mm. whatever it's intended to do, moving traffic, processing, storing, and so forth. Now we're saying the digital world, where's the IP now? The IP is in the software that you've written, or the IP is adjacent to the product or on top of the product or with the product. But how, how, do you, how does your customer unlock that value? Twenty to thirty percent of innovation organizations today come from outside the organization, so they need yeah. to open up their doors and look at their suppliers and look at the supply chain and look for where they can trap that intrinsic value that sits with the supplier as opposed to the product, and that de- is to call the dematerialization of our world that's happening. Okay, so, um, and what would you say? I want to unpack that a little bit more, but I think I've got something that that's working towards that. What would you say are the typical common mistakes that people uh, buy when they procure today? Or make a technology decision for that matter? They buy for today. Um, they buy for back this year. I need the money back this year. Um, they buy to solve a singular problem when there's multiplicities that can be solved if it's this expansion in the thought of what are we doing. They, they, the value uh, is totally equated to price, where there might be a strategic value in there, there might be a customer value in there, there might be a speed optimization, there might be a quality issue in there that can be improved, as we know. Mm. There can be relationship things that happen differently. All of those things are, uh, are potentially... Uh, in your supplier's hands with a product, uh, how much investigation, how much uh, questions have been done, questioning have been done around what can you really provide me yeah. uh, with the product, not just the product. So um, um, I heard that this term earlier in the year where they speak about technology religion. So, you know, like, um, I, you, you know, as long as I buy this brand, then it's okay. Uh, um, and, and then I've got to just try and get, get it as cheap as possible where you like it. And, and I always use the, the terminology, you just spend money in a different place. You might get this the cheapest, but like you say, there's somewhere, something else along the way that's, that you have to now throw people at or whatever because your technology is not servicing that, that requirement. Well, exactly. And I, I don't want to name the top global brands in technology. It's very easy. Uh, just look around you and you'll see them. Most of the companies that gone bankrupt or gone out of business had all had those brands installed and working in their businesses. There's no guarantee that if you buy a certain brand or you buy a certain technology that it, <laughs> it's going it's to guarantee your business model. Yeah. So, so it's somewhere else that we have to look. And now with the digital transformation, when you look at digital transformation, it is looking for digital innovation. How, how can we work together? to see what this technology can really do for our customers, for our business, for the environment, for our stakeholders, uh, which is a totally different conversation of what we're procuring when we talk to our partners. Okay, so so that leads me then to my next question. Um, do, do you think we've got a skills issue or a skills shortage in the country? Um, digital, The success of digital transformation uh, correlates 100% with skill. That's the problem. So we're not going to get skill. And you'll see the evolution of the whole, uh, you know, economy of subcontracting or 
get economy or just doing part-time work where we buy in a skill to do a specific project and then that skill moves on uh, and 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 the problem today uh, as far as the skill is concerned is that we still run our org- organizations on role based we say you're a marketing manager oh yeah right so mm. we need to get away from the role description but rather the skill description what is the skill that we need in that role and say we need that skill we don't need a marketing manager yes <laughs> we need a market maker yes um, okay um, and so that's that's where we're going with skills um but yeah and i think there's there's not always the, uh, the need to employ fully employ somebody rather than getting a skill to do something specific for us and achieve something specific for us but there's a skill shortage absolutely okay um if you look at, do you think that there's, uh, and, and, and it's, it's almost a, probably a bit of a mood question because things are moving so fast, um, are there major um, technology change trends that's coming? What should businesses be looking out for? I think one of the main things that are happening at the moment is the edge. Um, there is a new edge happening. Uh, just because the centralized configuration of data centers, cloud, and, and intranet or internet is, can't do what we want it to do. Uh-huh. So uh, telcos are looking at the whole edge in terms of the ORAN, VRAN, radio networks, and how they configure them, network function virtualization. So are you, are you saying the cloud's not the golden answer? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, what we say is we need to extend that cloud to the edge. Uh, we need to do something in terms of re- reconfiguring how we uh, efficiently uh, traverse networks, how we efficiently, uh, uh, you know, compute and store. Um, and, and, and that's, that's a whole new conversation. And 5G plays right into that, into that game specifically because it's architected differently. But think of autonomous vehicles, think uh, remote uh, medical procedures, uh, think drone flying. All of those things require different response networks than we have at the moment. Yeah, definitely so. And if you think, um, just to carry on with it, if you think about the masses of data being created and people are always using Facebook and Twitter uh, and WhatsApp, uh, you know, 65 billion WhatsApp messages a day being created, uh, it's not where the real data is. The real data is the scientists. Yeah. And if you go across every discipline, whether it's uh, deep space or whether it's medical uh, or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, any uh, material science, uh, just talk about our digital world, then all of those scientists working, uh, you know, Meerkat in the Karoo are, are, are creating petabytes of data per day. How do we get to it? Well, the first thing you walk into is our databases are wrong. Mm. A relational database can't cope with that. So our database architecture needs to. So new technologies, there's a lot happening around the edge and how we work with data, the machine learning analytics of that data, and then the infrastructure underneath to cope with that masses of data and make sense out of it. So can I ask you a question? Uh, because obviously that's where I spend a lot of my time is in, the, in, let's call it in a small to medium enterprise space. And um, as in... Um, t- technology strategy in terms of security, there's almost like a, uh, I almost want to say an, an unconfirmed perception that, yeah, but you know, we're just a small business. Those things are for the, for the big enterprises. Um, if, if, if you're in a, in a, in a small to medium enterprise, uh, is that business exempt? Can I still say, oh no, I'll just have my normal file server sitting in a, in that dark corner next to the procurement office? 
Yeah, I, when we talk about this fragmentation of the value chain, then small businesses are the businesses that are going to provide those unique services to industry, whether through bigger players or directly. Okay. So they've got the opportunity because they now have full access to a set of services in the cloud that they can specialize themselves in and can work towards creating their own IP and then provide the directly services into big banks, into big organizations because of that specialization. And I think that's, that's still missing in the equation is uh, the only way we're going to mop up unemployment is through small business. Yes. And the only way we're going to mop up that employment is through the specialization of small business and the fact that they have un uh, uh, how can I say they have access to resources that otherwise they wouldn't have had, which the cloud now provides, connectivity provides, mm. and then we can extend that, of course. But, to but just because I'm a small business doesn't mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna generate petabytes of data. Hundred percent. I might have a business that does that. Hundred percent. And as the South African government working now is to give access to small business. Traditionally, they were excluded from. Big business, a big yeah. business that business with big business. Uh, that's different. That whole architecture of, of our of our industry is changing, and small businesses now have access to big opportunities, and therefore there should be a, a road of of enablement uh, paved for them to have uh, to to qualify themselves and have uh, uh, use the access to build their own IP. Okay, um, so. As a customer, what should I expect from my technology solution provider? I think you should expect your solution provider to participate in your digital transformation. Uh, you should p expect your service provider to add value to overcome uh, skills problems that you might have or skills shortage that you might have. Uh, to help with the optimization of procurement in your business. Like we say, value trapping. How do we trap value for business outcomes? Um, and that participative relationship with your supplier and the IP that they bring to the table can accelerate your business transformation, your, your value transformation, and your go-to-market. We can't do it alone anymore. It's an ecosystem play. Uh, singular players can't do it anymore. Uh, we have seen uh, universities, uh, all types of research are now collaborative. We could not have had a vaccine for COVID-19 if it wasn't collaborative. Yeah. There's no way singular companies can get out the other end anymore. So that's what you have to look for. Not Don't look for product. Product is the easy part. Look for the collaboration where we bring IP, energy, insight, a skill to the table with product and then, then get, get that multiplier effect in our transformation. So, so if, I, um, uh, if I listen to what you're saying, what comes up to mind uh, immediately as a customer, I've got to, I've got to reshape what it is that I put out into the market in terms of what I'm expecting from, from technology providers. So I've got to do a bit more work. I think specifically with the procurement department. So the procurement, the procurement function inside the organization need to be realigned to the strategy and transformation that's happening in the, in the strategy. And there we can spot or identify areas in business where we need to do something but we do not have the skill or understanding and look for vendors that can bring that to the table in a relationship, in an ecosystem relationship. 
I love that. And I mean, that, that means I've got to do more work so that I'm clear about what it is that I, that I want for my business. 100%. And we find that's quite a, it's sometimes a little bit of a gap. If you ask people inside an organization, are you, are you busy with a digital transformation project? And they say yes. And they said, well, give me the mind map. Give me the mental picture of what your business is going to look like afterwards. Mm. Uh, give me the roadmap. Um, and there's not much of that. So one has to work with the organization and mentally model. Who, who, who's, who are the people that's going to be your key players? What is it going to look like? And so then there's, there's, a, there's then a narrative that forms around that. And, of course, then the behavior start changing and the relationships with the outside world start changing appropriately. And I, I love what you're saying now. And I mean, that, that was uh, the same conversation we had the other day um, is as a, as a customer, I should respect the, the choices that I make. I must take it seriously. <laughs> And and respect the fact that they are super valuable to your organization. Yeah. The organization has given you those choices to make, but they need to translate in super value for the organization. They can't just translate into a special price or a cheap price for something. Yeah. It must be something that is tangibly changing the business from a mode one business into a mode two business. And if you, uh, again, if you look at this, uh, that to, to me, if I, if I, Pull the, the golden thread there Like you're saying This edge evolution um, As little as Two years ago Everybody was Jumping on this Hyperscaler cloud story And now we're going Oh flip We should actually be uh, We should actually have An edge strategy um, I, I mean the, the technology Doesn't change that far So it was almost like uh, uh, We all went into a direction And we got in So oh That's not that anymore Let, uh, and, and I'm not going to reassess The decisions that I made In Circa right It was actually Maybe the wrong strategy Let me take a, a deep breath and, and spend a bit more time on that it, it was almost like a knee-jerk type thing all over the place. Yeah, and I think we always find we always find that there's uh, there's guys that are that that take up a, a early adopter uh, you know uh, position, and they go for it, um, and they pay the price for that, and they hopefully. Uh, they, they can they can rationalize that in terms of strategic advantage or first mover status or uh, something that gives them gives them some some or move to a different company <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave everything and go for the next one uh, but but uh, when when it when the rubber needs the uh, meets the road uh, I think is when we actually see that value translate and we see that a company overcome their own uh, like I mentioned, uh, own barriers inside their business, whether that might be skill or capital or access to markets, when they overcome that because of their collaboration with suppliers uh, in a new way and manufacturers and vendors and so forth. Okay. Then, um, as always, my last question, uh, I like, I like for us to make things real so we don't think that we, it doesn't sound like we're just talking into the clouds. My normal example that I'm using is I'm, I'm, uh, sadly I run an accounting business, uh, with, a, uh, offices in Joburg, Durban and Cape Town. I've now listened to this. Where do I start? How do I start conceptualizing this, this strategy that we spoke about? You have to optimize your business. That's that's fundamental. That's a starting start, starter blocks for digital transformation is optimization. Why? Because your customer wants it cheaper, and they're not going to stop. So your customer is driving you into a zero zero margin position, and so you need to have a business that's resilient enough to cope with that. So we have to look at what digital technologies can we 
adopt inside our organization that will either give us shorter times to go to market or, or bring product to market or services to market? How do we uh, produce better quality? And how do we uh, how do we build that around a relationship? And how do we drive cost out of the business? So those are the four things that we don't want trade. We want to build use we want to use digital technology. So there's no trade off between them. It's one thing to say I'm going to produce more quality, but it'll be more expensive. It's yeah. a trade off. Yeah. So we're actually in a zero sum game if we do that. We want to prov- we want to use digital technology so there's no trade off between uh, those dynamics inside our business. Uh, we produce more quality. We produce it fast. It's accurate. Uh, we produce it at the lowest cost possible, and we produce it in the context of a relationship with the, whatever stakeholder relationship. We want to make ourselves relevant to customers. Um, that's where we start. So how do you optimize a business? Look at processes. Look how long it takes. Look at processes. Look how much many faults are there and reworks are in there. Look how long it takes, and then look what it costs. Figure out the cost of it and say, how do we use digital technology um, to collapse uh, collapse the cost, quality up, time shorter, and just for Yaku will come and help you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Jock. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember, you can listen to all the episodes on the Cliff Central app or website, and for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And um, if you're looking for help with your communications tools in your business, contact catalytic.co.za. Cliffcentral.com